For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure. Hello and welcome to ACG Wealth Management's October version of Beer Markets. I'm Bobby Moyer and I'm joined with Sandy Wiggins. How's it going today, Bobby? It's going great, Sandy. I'm going to jump right into my beer today. It's uh, My beer too. Yeah, we're, we're drinking the same beer today. Well, cheers to that. It's a, it's a fun one. It's Hardywood Richmond Folk Fest Beer. I probably didn't say that appropriately, but it is you know a beer that I believe Hardywood made for the Richmond Folk Festival, which is a, a great event. It's been going probably on. Probably 10 years running, maybe more. Yeah. Probably says on there. It's one of the best weekends in the city of Richmond. It's, uh, you know, the nice cool weather is starting to starting to show up. Great music from all over the world. Great, you know, just great food, great time to hang out. Yeah, it says on this can, it's the 19th anniversary. Yep. So 19 years going. Um, I Started with the National Folk Festival being here, and huh. then that ended, and then they immediately followed subsequent years with the Richmond Folk Festival. Down there on Browns Isle? Yep. Is that where it yep. is? Yeah, I know you've gone many times. You love it. Uh, you're a big music guy, so, you know, I think this is a only appropriate beer. And, you know, it's they call it, you know, on the can, it's similar to the lagers that you would find in Munich during the modern-day Oktoberfests. Uh, deep co- gold in color and moderate to high malt character and good hop balance. Uh, so it's going to be a, a pretty good lager. I haven't had it yet, but I'm excited to to give it a try and you know given the the folk festival this past weekend so let's cheers to this sandy good first sip on my end yep likewise and let's um let's move into a discussion on the markets there's a lot going on yeah a lot going on and, and not all not all good things uh, I, I guess sandy we'll start just to comment um briefly on you know, the conflict in Israel um, and Palestine and everything going on over there. And, you know, I think every so many people have been impacted by this. I know our friends and colleagues um, have been impacted and it's something on our mind. And, um, you know, it it probably has an impact or um, an impact on the markets. Uh, It's it's much, you know, greater than that from a humanitarian standpoint and just heavy hearts you know, I know around the Richmond area and our country, but especially over there. So I, I you know, don't know if you anything to say on that, Sandy, but it's something that we're, we're definitely thinking about. And, and we're here to talk about the markets for sure. But but that is one element that geopolitical risk in the Middle East, you know, are, are something that that may impact the markets on a number of different fronts. But it's it's like I said, more than that. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's well said, Bobby. It's 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 a lot to digest and, and and think about. Let's just move on and talk about the market side of things. Yep. Um, so where we're at here, we're in the middle of October. Uh, October 17th is when we're recording this. And, you know, it's starting to hit up on earnings season. We had the banks, which typically kick off earnings season last Friday. You had Schwab um, out yesterday with a, a pretty big, um, big release and their market jump, their stock jumped on that. Uh, Goldman it's, Sachs, Bank of America, Johnson Johnson. Yep. 
Yeah, it's been um, we're 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 gearing up, right? We're, we've we've only yeah. have what six percent of the S and P have reported, so there's not a lot to report back yet at this point. But I think what is important is the earnings recession over. What do you think, Sandy? I, I think you know if you take what we've seen in the first few reports here, it looks like it's it's moving quickly in the right direction. So let's yeah. cross our fingers. Yeah, I think right now forecasted. Um, is somewhere it's a, it's a low growth it's you know 0.4% or something earnings growth for the quarter projected but i think if you go back and look at the last several quarters where you saw um, expectations from earning were much greater than forecast and if that continues and you already have positive um, you know it looks like we haven't had positive earnings growth since the third quarter of last year uh, so this might be the earnings recession might come to an end this quarter, which I think is is a positive sign. Yep, so far so good. Um, you know, as I said, and you mentioned Johnson and Johnson, Bank of America, Schwab, Goldman Sachs have all reported uh, strong numbers, beating expectations, and I think some of the percentages estimates are 74, 75 percent so far uh, have have met or exceeded expectations. So. Yeah, we talk about so much stuff when we're looking at the markets, right? We talk about all these different interest rates and all, but at the end of the day, I, I have to believe that the market prices on earnings, right? I mean, that's what you're buying. You're buying the value of companies and their ability to to hit earnings. So I, I love earnings season. I think it's a great um, check on on individual companies and really what the CEOs are saying from a, a market view and an economic view is almost just as important. You know, there's there's obviously parts of it that from a forecasting standpoint that are important. Uh, but uh, I, I like earnings season. I think it's an exciting time and, and really tells us where corporate America is, you know, at this snapshot in time. And, and like I said, the, 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 the talking from the CEOs and the C-suite about what they're seeing, you know, with the consumer. Yeah, we're, we're certainly looking at a lot of data the the concept of fundamental analysis versus technical analysis maybe we could talk a little bit about that there's been a lot going on on uh, those two fronts but ultimately you're right getting getting the insight of what companies are seeing helps us balance what we're also hearing from the Fed as far as uh, interest rates and and their expectations uh, it, it's 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 an exciting time like you said a lot lot going on. Yeah. And, um, you know, we got some exciting news this morning on, you know, shifting gears a little bit. But, you know, talking about the consumer, we got um, a retail sales out. And, you know, it, we're talking about this because it came out this morning. But I think it was a it was just an unbelievable blowout number from a, a September retail sales report. And, you know, retail sales were a 0.7 in September, uh, which I believe, you know, the expectations were maybe 0.3, depending on. Um, the forecasting agency or group, uh, but that's um, we also had July and August revised up a little bit, and if you look at the July through September quarter or three month period of time, if you and annualize that retail sales were 8.6 percent annualized rate. That's that's a really really strong number for this this part of I guess the cycle, and and it's it's exciting keep using that word, there's some good news out there. If we look at what's going on with retail sales and the expectations of, uh, you know, the holiday season, closing the year out, that's typically a, a, a time when consumers are spending more. And there's been a lot of question leading up to this, just how strong the consumer is. And these are strong indicators that the consumer 
is still with us as far as what they're willing to spend, and a lot of that has to do with the strong, strong job market. Yeah, I mean, we, we hear a lot, right, about all the reasons why consumers are stopping to spend. Savings rate has stopped, and stimulus has run out, and student loan payments are picking back up, which I don't really feel like that's completely factored into this number yet because it's just starting. Um, but the higher bar- borrowing costs are definitely in this number. Uh, but I think you're right, Sandy. I think it, it just continued proof that the unemployment or the, the labor market remains very tight. Individuals, consumers um, have money to spend. Wages have been going up, have been increasing, even though we've seen a significant moderation there in wage increases. They've still gone up and continued to gone up. So uh, when you look at the number, it was a very, very solid number. And so I'll, I'll, I'll ask a weird question, I guess, off of that to you is, is that a good thing or a bad thing for what we're, we're looking at going forward? You know, it's a double-edged sword because ultimately what the Fed has been trying to do is slow down the economy, slow down spending, impact wages, and, and help fight inflation. And so on that front, strong retail numbers shows a hot, uh, you know, a strong economic environment. Then we ask ourselves, well, what does that mean for what the Fed anticipates doing? And, you know... I think short term, the market may have a little bit of heartburn with it because it it says the Fed may keep rates higher longer. I think if the economy can stand up to these higher rates and still show resilience, that's a pretty solid place to end up. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That's why it's an interesting question, right? You get such a blockbuster report and the excitement is how good the economy's doing, but what the market doesn't want anymore is any more rate hikes, right? And the Fed meets in November, and it looks like right now it's a very, very low probability of any further uh, rate hikes. December was very low, and I I think that number spiked a little bit. I think we were down in the teens from a percentage standpoint, but I think got all the way up in the mid-30s today off that number. And it was also reflected in the 10-year yield, you know, the 10-year has come off its highs here recently. And then as soon as that number comes out, it's what you're talking about. The market is, or the economy is much stronger than maybe everybody believes. And if you go back over the last couple of weeks, the Fed has been really talking a lot about no more rate hikes, but we're keeping rates where they are. They're going to stay this high and it's going to be here for a little bit longer. And even the market doesn't have any rate cuts until June, July of next year. But then we see this retail sales number and how strong the economy is, and the 10-year Treasury jumps back up. I think, you know, Sandy, it got up to 4.83 today on Tuesday, um, which is, I'm thinking, is very near. I'm I'm almost positive that's a cycle high so far. Um, And that historically has not been a good thing for stocks, right, because of those higher rates, higher, that means higher borrowing costs, all these higher rates. And the market originally didn't like the retail sales number, but then throughout the day digested it and actually is is positive now, uh, which I, I find very, very surprising that if the market can factor in higher rates, be comfortable with it, and believe, well, belief is a, a scary word, I guess, that the market can hand the market, the economy can handle it. Well, that's a positive then if it doesn't push a recession. But that's the hard part. But as of today, it looks like as of now, and that could change, the market might uh, be okay with higher rates, which is kind of weird that we haven't seen here recently. Yeah, and and again, back to full circle with what we started talking about earnings. 
Next week, we'll hear a lot uh, from the regional banks, and it's important to listen to what they're saying about, you know, net margin interest and loan loss reserves. That's an indicator of what they're seeing, and it may be impacting earnings this quarter. But if we go back earlier in the year with Silicon Valley Bank, you know, rates get too high, things aren't, aren't always as rosy as they may seem. Yeah, and, and that continues to be the, the question I have through all of this, and that is, you know, if, if we saw rates not even this high back in March and you had all these, these losses on the balance sheet of, from bonds that they're holding to maturity, well, now it's exacerbated, right? It's, it's a lot worse today than it was, and they obviously didn't sell all these. Now, the difference is from, from what you hear talking heads talk about is that they stopped loaning out, right? There's they're not providing liquidity to the people they normally provide to small businesses, right? And that's one, a little bit concerning for the economy because small businesses need these loans. Um, but it, it's being filled, filled by private equity. It's being filled by other, you know, private debt that's out there, um, non-traded that, that is filling this gap. But that's, I still don't see that. I still am concerned about the, the smaller banks and their balance sheets. Um, Bank of America was one that, you know, people expected to have a, a kind of an ugly report today because of that, because of the losses on their balance sheet, um, but reported fine earnings and the stock traded up this morning. Now it was trading down leading up to it. So maybe it was one of those, you know, sell the news or sell the rumor by the news um, type of thing, or it wasn't as bad as expectations. Um, but yeah, the regional banks will be something to keep an eye on, I think, and especially with these higher rates if they stay higher. Yeah, so again, we're back to talking about what's the Fed doing, what are interest rates doing, what are earnings, uh, you know, how are they being reported, and those are the broader points that we're looking to into 2024 to get an idea of what are some reasonable expectations for market returns in the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you talk about the, the reverting of the yield curve, if you will, where, you know, we were sitting at such an inverted yield curve and how that was very concerning because it generally, you know, foreshadows a recession coming, right? And we inverted. And I think if you look at the two year to 10 year, somewhere in the over 1% difference at one point, and because the Fed is stopping on the short end, generally, the, ten, the two year hasn't moved much and, and definitely the shorter um, maturity bonds haven't moved much. But the 10-year um, actually has gone up so much as they're believing higher for longer. And now that that spread between the two is somewhere in the 40 basis point range, depending on the day. Um, and on one hand, I'll ask you, Sandy, is that good or bad? You know, you, you, we want a normal yield curve, don't we? But everybody always says it's, it's not the inverted part. It's when it starts to revert that the recession comes. And that's the, the 12 to 18 months post-inversion that you get that recession. So um, on one hand, I feel you feel good about it. But on the other hand, is it, is it going to cause some pain to get there? Yeah, it, it, that 12 to 18 month period of when rates started were at that point. Yep. Recession is likely, more likely than not, to, uh, to impact the, uh, the growth of the economy. But then if we look forward another 12 to 18 months, we kind of have to get through this in order to get to the other side of the equation. And again, speculation, rates may go down a little bit next year. I don't know. What do you think, Bobby? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I'm not even sure what you're wishing for if you want the market to go up, right? I'm not yet, because at what level 
is it, it are you talking about? I, I think we're getting close to a higher, a high in the 10 year. I think we could definitely hit 5%. That's, you know, and part of that's right. You got to look at the technicals too. But when you look at debt, I think the biggest thing that nobody, maybe people are factoring it in, but they're really not talking about it is why are rates going higher? And I, I think a big part of, you know, isn't just like the market supply and demand, right? And ever since Japan announced their yield curve um, adjustments, that's kind of been the peak on this. So you have them, you have Japan, you have China, you have other central banks not buying our debt for a number of reasons, right? And so you, you take some of the biggest buyers of debt of our treasuries out there and you add supply because the government's running at a, a $2 trillion, $3 trillion, whatever it is, deficit every year, and they have to issue more and more debt. So you, you get two things hitting you. You get one, you've got you know, not as many buyers, so less demand, and you've got um, more supply out there than probably ever that the government has to continue to, well, they're continuing to spend, we know that. They have to issue debt, and if rates are higher, that's mean they have to issue more debt because their interest expense is higher, that becomes concerning for me for how long rates are going to be higher on, in, in the 10 year because retail investors and other investors are going to demand a much higher rate, I think, for them to want to put their money there. And without the central banks, you know, putting money into our treasuries, what does that long term structural look like of, you know, the, the yield curve and higher for longer is a little bit concerning to me. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be higher for longer. Yeah, you know, just how 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 high and how how long, um, but the Fed is in a better place today, I think, than they were back when rates were so low. You know, you can they were their their tools were limited. Now we've got rates higher. The economy's still clicking along at a decent pace. If they need to reduce rates a little bit, they've got plenty of room to do that to spur the economy and kick things back up. Yeah, and I guess this is maybe it's philosophical, Sandy, but you know, usually you get that um, excitement from lower rates. But we're so high right now on the Fed funds rate and longer term, you know, mortgages is one thing. If you look at the numbers, a percentage of people that have mortgages under 4% in the US or 5% even, it's going to take so long to get to that level. Now, I, I get it's a change in rate that, that gives you a, a sudden pulse that maybe you do move if rates come down a little bit. But I still think people would have a hard time with a 3% mortgage to move at 5 5.5%. So if the Fed's cutting and they cut a little bit, but the 10-year stays high and doesn't move the mortgage rate much, I'm not sure how much, how much stimulus you get into the economy in that environment. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you about that. That's, well, if we get there, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I'm, I'm, I'm just, I think rates longer, higher for longer. The Fed can't cut too much, I don't believe. Uh, and then what if, you know, Trump gets back into office? Remember the pressure he used to put on the Fed about cutting rates? Um, can you imagine that in this environment where rates were already low that you'd have to deal with next year? And, and that's just one of the risks of 2024 and the impact that the market's going to be trying to price in you know, a, a presidential election in general, and then all those other under the hood ideas that will come with the next um, president. <laughs> Don't talk politics. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> Give me that look. Yeah, it, there's a lot there. I, I, I just, I'm happy to get through the end of this year, earnings season, work with the Fed, see what they're up to, uh, and not, not, not 
not think about what politics are going to do next year. Yeah, I, I hear you. Difficult to talk, but you know, Sandy, the market prices is a four. It's already it's, it's already it's pricing six it in. to nine months, right? Yep. It, it's pricing in what's happening. So yep. I, I said this maybe last podcast or two. When does the market start looking at November of next year? Right. I don't think it's now. But if you don't think hedge funds out there are looking at at, you know, the what ifs, what ifs and trying to get ahead of that trade, that's beginning, you know. Now, are they putting things on yet? I don't, you don't know. Um, but that's, I think that's the trouble with the, the presidential year. If you go back, remember a couple of years ago when Hillary Clinton was running for office, I guess against Trump, uh, the biotech stocks, you know, was that hammered. hammered like 11 months before because they thought she was going to get in and was going to put pressure on from a, a pricing. And that happened way more than that, I think, six to nine months. So, the the market is begin will begin to price these things in that we, we you know it's way too early to talk about it we, there's big November elections coming up this year but next we don't, I mean the house doesn't even have a, a speaker right so there's enough political issues out there going on but the market is going to care about the presidential election next year and that'll add even more volatility I think to trying to reprice based on who's going to be in office well, if you look at the S&P 500, we're in a fairly narrow trading band. And we've been here for, I don't know, six, eight weeks. Yeah. And it's it's driven by news. And every little data point matters. Um, and, and we're bouncing off some support. We're getting some resistance on the upper end. So it'll be interesting to see how long that, that plays out and ultimately what wins, uh, the upside or the downside. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people make make note of, things aren't that great from uh, an economic standpoint, right? Things we talked about, even though retail sales was so good, but the move in rates, and they say, you know, the market's got to go lower. If you think about it, though, the market had a terrible 2022, and the majority of the stock market is not having a good 2023. Yeah, seven, the Magnificent Seven have had a good 23. Yeah, I think as of 10-13, so what is that, last Friday, the you know since it's high the s p 500 equal weight is down eight percent the s p is down four um you know as, as of the end of the quarter the equal weight was only up one where the s p was up 13. so the majority of stocks aren't going up and that's um i think where we sit today I, i'm i'm gonna take that as a positive that it, it's not it's not we bloodshed right yeah, yeah. And, and if the majority of stocks that aren't doing well you know, I've already priced in something bad and only seven stocks are, you know, there's a lot more stocks doing well, but the weighting of those seven and how well they've done, that could be a good thing for the rest of the market. Now, the question is what happens if those seven price in what everybody else already priced in, even with that 490 stocks going up, the market still might go down if those seven go down, right? And that's the challenge. Yeah, a, a tidbit that's not really worth any specific uh, weight, but it's interesting that this last Monday, yesterday with the market being up, yeah, 10, it, was the, it was the 15th straight week with a Monday being positive, and that's the longest streak in S&P history. That's according to uh, Ryan uh, Dietrich, Dietrich uh, Chief Marketing Strategy at Carson Group. Now, I don't know where he finds that data. I found it pretty interesting. But again, if you look at how the market's been fairly flat, seems Monday is a good day to be in the market. So you tell me I should be shorting on, or get on my shorts on Friday and, and buy the market at the close and, and just get out on Monday after close? I'm not making any recommendations. <laughs> I'm just uh, pointing, a, pointing out an interesting little tidbit there. 
Yeah. It's good to be in the market all the time. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, th there's so many fun names it looks forward to. I, I can't wait to see how the semiconductors do this earnings season, you know, with, with how well they've done this year and, you know, wondering on the, the double, you know, if there's any double or triple ordering that's that's gone on out there. Um, because that's, you know, we were talking about the Magnificent Seven and that impact of NVIDIA being the main one there. Um, you know, how how much can they continue to go up will be will be interesting to see but we know Apple and, and Google these are these, these companies have fortress like balance sheets right probably less default risk there than with the US government <laughs> you know when you really look at their balance sheet and how they run their companies it's not it's not like they the S&P or not like the the White House or the government where you know we spend a lot more than we're bringing in and and there's arguments uh, in leadership in the government hopefully you're not having that in some of these larger publicly traded companies. And, you know, we'll just have to see what shakes out of all that. The one thing that you, you sparked talking about chips is if we talk about autos, mm -hmm. right? We go back six, 12, eight months. We were, we were uh, talking about chips as it relates to automobile production. Now we've got the strike. That's mm -hmm. one last thing maybe we want to just touch on before we wrap things up. Yeah, you know, uh, this is part of that whole wages thing, right? The economy of where we are. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, Ford, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing they're all feeling a little bit like this. Ford's saying that they're not going anymore, right? Their, their, their last offer, which I guess that's negotiating tactic, is their last offer. Um, and I said this before in some sort of venue. I don't remember if it was on this podcast or some, some other place. But, you know, if, if Ford and GM and these companies give too much, they put the long-term sustainability of their company at risk. And I understand where the labor presidents are coming from, you know, UAW and, and the other. But I also clearly, it, it's pretty obvious that those companies and they're way behind Tesla and Tesla continues to cut prices. There's a lot of demand out there for, for Tesla's. And, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if there's a lot of demand, but there's, for in the EV market, they are so far ahead of everybody else, and they do things so much more efficiently without labor, without labor groups, right? Um, so, or unions. I, I so I I'm I'm interested to see how long this is going to pull on, but you know, uh, eventually they got to go back to work, right? Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, but that's it's to your point. It is harping. Although the retail sales number, auto sales were up because there was more inventory on the markets, is what I heard. Um, there was more availability out there, but that might dry up really That's quickly. That's going to change, I would think. Yeah, exactly. Although I think there's also been a little bit of a tick up in um, uh, repos on some cars of people that have probably had seven, eight hundred dollar monthly payments. That's the negative side of the market, and then you see how well the consumer is doing. So I think that's what makes this market so challenging. Um, and I think interest rates being so volatile is something that has concerned me. You're seeing moves of 10, 15 basis points in, in treasury yields a day. I mean, that volatility is unheard of, right? That, that And that can't be good for the markets and pricing in and, and companies making decisions about things in the future. So that's that part of it is concerning. But I think the reason is everything we're talking about. We get a great retail sales number, but then we could you know, put a domino right. of things of all these other reasons why, you know, we're concerned about the economy. So it's, uh, you know, the, the Fed uses data dependent all the time, but I truly believe 
this, the market, the, the Fed is really data dependent. And if we get surprisingly negative news, the market prices it in pretty quickly. And if we get positive news like this morning, the, the bond market went first and now the, mar the equity market might be okay with it. So to me, there's, this is just a very challenging time and more important than ever um, to have that strategy when you're investing because you could be very wrong if you if you jump on one side. And I listen to bulls and I listen to bears. They make good arguments on both sides. So you, if you want a data mine and you have a view, you could get confirmation of your view. But be careful with, with finding that confirmation because uh, that, that's concerning. Oh, one more piece too, Sandy, that we didn't talk, talk on, and that's you know GDP for the third quarter will be coming out soon. And who knows where it is, but some of the, the estimates out there are looking at over Strong, 5%. Yeah. That's one more data point to the, you know, we're doing to the okay. positive that the economy's hanging in there, which means rates will be higher for longer, and that rates aren't killing, killing the growth of the economy. Yeah, and, and Sandy, we could probably spend 45 minutes talking about all the negatives, too. I think there are negatives out there, and, and that's, I think, confirmation on what we just talked about of the, the, there's good, there's bad. Where, where are we headed um, with these higher rates and the Fed one day, you know, the Fed speak and these other things. So very difficult market to forecast what's going on. And I think it's because the path of the environment or the economy is very challenging at this point to see what's next. Yep. And, and diversification sounds so simple and mundane, but we, we you know, formally believe that's the best way to go about any, any market, and in particular one where there's such volatility day-to-day, moment-to-moment. Yeah, and, and know what, why you're taking the risk you're taking. You know, everybody's, just because your neighbor has one allocation doesn't mean that's appropriate for you. Do what's right for you and, and take the right risk, but you got to be in the market, I think. Yep. Well, Sandy. Good discussion. Yeah, good discussion. I think let's wrap it up there. Good um, beer, too. Good beer, good Oktoberfest. Um, so we'll, we'll be back in November. Look forward to it. All right, take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beer Markets. For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure.